The Diesel Performance Podcast contains explicit language. Thank you for listening. This is Paul Wilson. And I'm Danny Voss. And you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. we got some new stuff coming up, huh, Danny? Always, Paul. Always. Absolutely. We're going to have Tony Burkhardt on the podcast here pretty soon to talk about driveline components. Dirty hooker diesel. Absolutely. Big name in the industry there. Uh, we're going to do some more sled pulling, some more drag racing. We're also going to get into a lot of emissions intact performance, since that seems to be a new hot topic in the industry. Speaking of on today, we're going to dive right into the 10 and newer Cummins with... Clint Cannon. Absolutely. Clint, how's it going today? Doing good. A little warm in Colorado, but other than that, it's uh, can't complain. Oh, the rough life out there, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, it's, it's brutal. <laughs> All right. Well, Clint, we brought you on because you're you're obviously the owner and founder of ATS, a huge company within the diesel aftermarket community, and we wanted to find out kind of a little bit more about some of the projects you've been working on and talk about the general idea of emissions intact uh, performance for those ten and newer Cummins. No, that's a good topic. It's uh, something we've been working on for quite some time now, especially with the later model urea trucks. You know, the early DPF stuff, you know, the technology just wasn't really there. It was it was uh, kind of antiquated, and the technology wasn't there really to support any performance. So, so that's really why it got such a bad name. But, you know, later years when urea came out and the technology once again changed, you know, the uh, flow of the exhaust system is higher. It regenerates better and it really lends itself to performance so that's really what our focus has been on the 11 and up trucks as far as getting these trucks in that 600 horsepower range that is very true the 07 and a half to 09 67 it's hard to make them run right with all the emissions equipment on and most people that own those trucks they will definitely agree with me and us true story but before we get too far into it clint can you tell us what got you started in diesel performance well, that goes back quite a few years. You know, the, our ATS really um, started in diesel performance back in the uh, early days of the 12-valve Cummins. And us really specializing in drivetrain more than airflow and uh, fuel back in, that, back in those days was pretty much, uh, you know, where we invented the triple-lock torque converter, you know, the first multi-clutch converter that was ever on the market. So that was uh, what kind of got us involved in all that was, guys turning up the 12 valve you know you put a fuel plate in it and a little bit of injection a little bit of turbo and all of a sudden it wouldn't hold the tranny so so that really was our uh, feet into the diesel performance stuff which you know was quite a while ago it was around 95 um so you go back you know 20 years and things have evolved quite quite a lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a different game than it was with 12 valves Hi, this is Nick with Calibrated Power Solutions. We're breaking new ground in the turbocharger market with our Stealth Series. The Stealth 64 is a perfect replacement for any stock turbocharger on any year Duramax. The 64mm compressor wheel adds at least 80 rear wheel horsepower on a stock fuel system while maintaining stock drivability and excellent spool up. The Stealth 64 also helps maintain lower EGTs under heavy loads, especially useful for you guys pulling. If you're looking to upgrade or replace your stock turbocharger, Check out the Stealth 64. Perfect balance between power and drivability in a drop-in stock-appearing turbocharger. For more information, check out DuramaxTuner.com or give us a call at the office at 815-568-7920. What are some of the stuff that you guys are into nowadays? You know, just about everything. I mean, we're a technology company, which, you know, our, our, our basis has always been transmissions, torque converters, transmission control systems. 
Um, and then the other part of the business, um, which is actually really a bigger business today, is turbochargers, castings, manifolds, um, everything engine performance related, you know, and, and fuel and turbos all fit together. You know, you can't have one without the other. And, and then, of course, software tying it all together. So that's where, uh, you know, Duramax Tune has been a huge help for us, you know, with that that uh, combination with uh, software and then helping us with on the hard part side of it. Um, you know, that's that's been just a real win-win. Absolutely, yeah. We've definitely worked with, with you guys over there at ATS on some different really fun projects to yeah, get going. that's a great relationship. Absolutely. And as we start to move forward, I think one of the topics we've both been on uh, as we're talking about turbos and performance here is a lot of guys are already starting to hear some rumors about an emissions intact twin turbo kit for a newer generation Cummins. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, it's exciting, actually. You know, that is, I had this dream of uh, building, you know, this nice little street truck, you know, years ago, and we've just been diligently working on it, you know, on really all the models, you know, Ford, Dodge, and GM, but the Dodge turned out to be the most difficult. And the biggest thing we had a problem with is keeping enough heat in the after-treatment system. You know, when you add another turbo, of course, you know, that pulls a lot of heat out of the exhaust system. And, you know, really, EGTs are becoming kind of our friend in the newer technology where EGTs used to be our enemy. And, you know, the biggest thing is the materials have changed in the engine. So these engines can run very hot EGTs without issues. You know, you can run them 14 to 1700 RP or degrees without melting them. So what we were finding is when we would add the second turbo that we were pulling enough heat out of the exhaust system that it didn't want to uh, regenerate properly and, and do all of those things. So we developed a manifold that's called our Vortex manifold that actually is a big casting that bolts right to the back of the turbocharger. So literally the HC351V, you remove the little downpipe thingy, you know, that's hooked to the back of it on the exhaust system on the back of the turbo. Right. And you bolt this manifold in, and it allows this manifold allows the heat signature to pass through the casting into the exhaust system while you utilize your airflow in some of that heat to drive the second turbocharger. So it's a it's a really neat deal, and and uh, you know with that technology, you know we did uh, go to the extent of patenting the technology because we felt that it was something that was unique enough. Um, so that so that created a little bit of uh, time you know time delay year and a half two years but that's all moving along and we're pretty soon to release that system what's the leave time on that deal look like what's what can we expect as far as time frame um right now so the system is very uh very complete you know it's not just necessarily a turbo you know and some brackets and a manifold it's a complete manifold cast um out of stainless you have the turbo it has an air box um, all the plumbing. We've also made a molded a coolant reservoir tank for it, so it's very factory-like, very clean. Um, all the ho- hoses are molded, so it's like I say, it's very, very bolt-on. And we have everything in stock today except for our castings. So we had finally about two weeks ago we finished the final tooling changes, um, so we could basically modify it for the last time with a small sensor that they've added on the 15 models. Um, so now that we have castings being poured, um, we should have castings within probably about six to eight weeks, and then we'll be machining. 
um, in-house. So we should be probably 12 to 15 weeks out before we'll shipping kits. Man, that is and exciting. That's bolt-on. It's huge. I mean, everything is in it. It's just, it's beautiful. Absolutely. The, uh, One of the things I wanted yeah. to jump in there real quick, uh, Clint, and talk a little bit about here is the, the heat problem that you guys had, where, where we're actually reducing heat so much. And Danny and I have talked a lot on the podcast about how great twin turbo kits are. But you're absolutely correct. When we get into these newer generation Cummins and with the Duramax, but the Cummins especially, they operate at a generally at a higher temperature, and that's to to try to achieve a, a passive regen. Or in other words, the exhaust is just naturally hot enough to burn soot out of the DPF without having to dose fuel. How many times did you guys go back and forth before you found something? How long did it take to kind of figure out that that was the problem? I just see that being well, a huge advantage, yeah, that, but also that, a huge a challenge. Question. And, you know, that, that kind of brings us back. We were talking the, uh, you know, the earlier 07, you know, to 9 models where, where the um, older system, you know, it, was, it, it didn't work very well, right? And that was kind of <laughs> one of the reasons. And we, and we really learned that on the early systems and the newer ones. Um, as we took a heat study, you know, we just put sensors throughout everything, following the air, airflow from the beginning of the engine all the way to the tailpipe, right? And our goal was to generally match the same heat signature as the factory turbo. Um, and once we got, once we found that when we do a conventional, you know, compound turbo or add another turbo to the system that we were robbing so much heat from the system, you know, it was, it was pretty quick to identify, um, you know, why we were dealing with, with uh, more regions than, than necessary and more, you know, the, 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 just the passive regeneration was just not where it should be, right? So, um, that was kind of part of, that was the first part of it, right? And then we had to come up with a manifold design, which the uh, idea was relatively easy, but manufacturing the piece turned out that's where all the, <laughs> that's where all the headache and dollars and science came from, because that was making the piece um, was a challenge, you know? And, and of course, in the 13 plus Cummins, you know, there's not a lot of room in there, right? So, Right. That that turbo ends up having to be even farther down and closer to the fire, to the fender well, and and of course the closer you get the turbo to the factory turbo, then the less surface area you have. So all of those things kind of attributed to how we were keeping that heat in the system, and then finally, you know, the material. And one of the really cool things about this exhaust manifold, the Vortex manifold, is as the exhaust comes out of the HE351 it kind of hits the back wall and the way we turn it, it allows, like say that heat signature to kind of go straight through and it kicks the air up. So it actually starts the turbine housing at the discharge of the small turbo. So you're, so we have an even funnel, if you would. So if you were to take like your, your turbine housing off of the um, turbo and you stretch it out and you kind of like to make this funnel, right? Well, if you add the vortex manifold to it, then it extends that that funnel out. So when that air comes out, it's slowly making that transition all the way from the turbo all the way to the turbine housing. So we found that it that it kind of creates a scavenging effect, if you will, um, to help pull that that exhaust back pressure, create a negative pressure right in the banjo housing behind the small turbo. So it helps alleviate some of that atrocious lag we have. Um, when you add a secondary turbo. Really? So you know, a lot of technology wrapped around this piece. 
Super awesome. As far as horsepower, though, we know that we can keep the emissions equipment happy with a single charger, stock charger at 500 horsepower, 450 to 500. Where do you plan on landing as far as that number goes? You with know, this our twin goal kit? has been that 600 horsepower range. We're actually, now we're in a bit of a deficit because we start our testing at 5,000 feet here. Right. And then we go up the mountain and we end up at about 10,000 feet, 10, 12,000 feet. So, you know, as, as airflow, as oxygen is lower, you know, density is lower, you know, we're at a huge deficit, so we can't run near the fuel. Um, but our, our current um, trucks that we're running, um, 13 to 15, one of each truck, they are right at six, about 630 horsepower rear wheel. And the system, I mean, we have thousands of miles of testing on, on uh, these trucks. And, and they're and they're working. They're, they just work amazing. They work awesome. So I feel really confident that you know we're going to see numbers, you know, between that 600, 700 horsepower range, you know, throughout as we continue to develop and, and especially at lower altitude um, vehicles. Absolutely, so it's, it's very exciting, and they're just they're just amazing to drive. What other supporting mods should people be planning to do to be able to get one of their 13 or 15 Cummins up to that type of horsepower range? So. One of the, and that's an excellent question, I probably should have elaborated a little bit more of this, but one of the key factors is we found on these trucks you can't do it with just a single fuel pump. So the single high-pressure injection pump is just not, it, it just doesn't have the volume to support the higher pressures because as, as you guys have found, you know, we, we really, rail pressure has turned out to be just an absolute requirement for really clean higher horsepower trucks, right? Right. So we're really on these trucks, you know, we're running stock injectors, um, leaning on the injector pump pretty hard. It doesn't have enough, so you add the twin fueler. So when you add our twin fueler kit, you know, and then add the twin turbo, and then, of course, add the package um, with your software as we kind of tie as we've tied all this together, that's really where the real benefits come from. And, and you know, the key is, you know, no black smoke, right? And when right. I say no black smoke, that's not out the tailpipe. You know, you have to have virtually no black smoke coming from the turbos. You know, that, that even the white haze, you know, just sit loads of DPS, you know, black smoke absolutely destroys them. So it doesn't kill them, it just makes them clog up. And then the system's working so much harder, and of course, economy's gone, and, and they're regening all the time, and you just have all these issues that are, it's just a, it's just a downward spiral. So maintaining rail pressure, you know, with the twin pump, you know, burning it with the airflow of the twin turbos and then having software that's tailored to bring everything together is, is really the key for these trucks. How do you feel about external lift pumps on uh, these Cummins? Are they not required like the older stuff? Should people be thinking about them? You know, th- that's another great question. I have found, you know, that, that, that kind of goes both ways, right? So we have found that the factory fuel systems are generally fine, you know, when they're 100%, they're generally fine, you know, up to that 550, 600 horsepower range, but, you know, they are being taxed. So, you know, most of the, most of the things we put together, we generally recommend, you know, putting a good lift pump on it. You know, there's some, there's some great lift pumps out there, and it, but it's not necessarily an absolute requirement. So it is one of those things, you know, of course, as they begin to fail, you know, you might as well upgrade it to a good aftermarket lift pump system. You know, they, they just work so well, and they have filters on them, and there's a lot of great attributes to that. You know, when you're talking about taking air out of the system, that certainly is a great thing. 
Right. You know, so I don't necessarily, you know, my opinion is we, we, you know, we answer the questions differently from 10 years ago when a guy would come in and he would ask, <laughs> how do I get more power out of my truck? And the first thing you do, you put a lift pump on it and you do injectors, right? And then you do an exhaust system, <laughs> and then you do an intake. Well, today, you know, they say, how do I get more power out of my truck? Says, well, you've got to do, you know, your software, then you've got to add a turbo, then you've got to add a secondary high-pressure injection pump, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the injectors and the air intake and the exhaust system are like last or they don't get changed these days. So it's, it's very interesting technology that, you know, we've gone from putting big injectors in things to make them go faster to now we're not touching the injectors and we're adding a secondary injector pump, you know, in a bigger turbo. So I, th- I think it's very fascinating to, to see how the technology has changed everything. Definitely cool with uh, even larger, you know, 10 mil CP4s available pretty soon on the market. That's going to change some stuff. Um, a lot of yep. things are in the pipeline in the diesel industry. And one of the coolest things is I'm very lucky that I get to drive the clean sweep around all these events and compete with it. And that's our 2012 emissions intact Duramax. And people just can't believe, they can't understand what's really going on. So to drive this type of truck, 600, 700 horsepower on the road, being, you know, very quiet, being very stealth, there is so much of a fun level there that I can't describe that I wish I could have our listeners just jump in the truck with me and take it for a ride to get that mentality out of their head that you do not have to delete and you should not delete your truck. That was the mentality all because the 07 and a half to 09 scarred us all. Yeah, true story. I will say that as we've added so much electronic control over the trucks, like you said, Clint, we're really seeing a a change in the landscape of the aftermarket performance, right? Um, It's not the same parts that we used to use. It's not the same applications that we used to use those parts in. And a lot of things now come down to reliability. If somebody's turning up the power in their truck, what are some things they can do to help the reliability of of their 10 and newer Cummins? Well, it's certainly anytime you're, you know, talking about upping power levels, you know, head studs are always great investment. You know, um, head bolts on any Cummins, you know, they've always been, you know, kind of the first point of failure. So head studs are, are a great idea. Um, in some cases, depending on the fuel quality of different parts of the country, you know, that gets us back to the secondary lift pump, you know, adding a separate filter um, and making sure you're supplying good, good uh, fuel volume and good clean fuel, right, to the mm-hmm. injection system is always a must. I mean, that's, that's a huge thing. And, you know, one of the things I always like to bring up is just good maintenance. <laughs> that's always, <laughs> that one always seems to be forgotten, right? Yeah, common Here's sense. Time you change your fuel filter. Oh, gosh, uh, I don't know. I got to do that? <laughs> We're supposed to do that? I have two of them or one of them? Yeah. I don't know. How many? What, do you, what do you mean? You don't do oil changes over here? Yeah, I thought I was the only one who was terrible about Paul, maintenance. Paul just adds oil? Yeah, I add oil. That's the oil change. It naturally leaks out. I add more. It changed. I don't I don't understand the problem. But, you know, you get uh, you get through that stuff, and, and one of the real common areas is people forget about their trannies. You know, the transmissions are really these days the biggest thing the transmission does with the advent of computers is it is a fantastic um, system to limit torque, right? Limit torque to the uh, to the rear wheels. So well, That's know, what I wanted to talk about here. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Clint. I was just going to say what I wanted to talk about here today was 68 RFEs. I figured you'd be the man with a plan about them, huh? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, the 68 has been by far the most 
difficult, challenging engineering feat we have ever taken, and, and that's obviously industry-wide. You know, it's a, it's a very challenging training. And, you know, when Chrysler, well, Chrysler designed that transmission in 1989, and it came behind, that's when Lee Iacocca was running Chrysler, and they came out with their Ultra Drive, which was basically the, the same tranny, right, in a caravan that basically was reallocated and it got bigger, and then it went into the 42 RLE, which is the Jeep, um, in later years, and then it got turned into the 545, which is all your Hemis, all your half tons, and then it got put on all the Intrepids. So that same basic transmission design just went from the caravan up to the car line, into the Jeep, into the half ton, and then when Chrysler got in trouble with JATCO or ASIN Corporation, they decided that they were their back was against the wall, and they had to quickly design, come up with a transmission to put behind the Cummins, and that was the 68 RFE. And ever since then, you know, the 68 RFE has some inherent design problems that are just always going to be there, and the only way you can really get around that is, you know, a lot of hard parts in the tranny, correcting things, but most importantly is dealing with the pressure issues inside of them and dealing with the CVIs, which is that, which is basically a calculated number of what the clutchback clearances are. And, you know, you guys have found on the tuning side, there's so much you can do. And what we found on the, on the hard part, as far as building like the co-pilot, you know, there's only so much you can do. So, so I think, I think the world, we've all learned how to get through it, but it really requires a form of electronics that basically controls the transmission. Um, so the engine side of it, or the, or the TCM, the transmission side of it, doesn't realize that we're making the horsepower that we're making. Because that that clutch-to-clutch application, um, that non-synchronous operation that is the design of the 68, it gets, it gets so confused with the higher power levels that it ends up kind of killing itself because it's getting it's shifting the transmission based on the wrong numbers that it's calculated. That kind of makes sense, right? So, so the 68, you know, has after all these years has become very reliable. You know, it's it's not too difficult to get them to hold, you know, eight or nine hundred horsepower reliably, um, providing you have a good system like the integrity, the wiring harness, the connectors, all of that stuff is in perfect condition. You know, because that's that's really that's what really, really plagues the 68 in a huge way. You know, no matter, you can put all these great parts in the tranny and put a great converter in them, build them right, have the right software, and then you have, you know, a bad network of, of, of basically cables, wires going from the, from the tranny to the computer and vice versa, and the tranny will burn up in one shift. No, yeah. So, so, it's, so it's, a, it's quite a deal, you know, but, but luckily after all these years, you know, it's, we're making them pretty reliable. Yeah, with the help of, like you said, transmission tuning and a few other small things, you can really make a 68 RFE shine and really be what it's supposed to be, its intended purpose. Yeah, I mean, they drive like crap out of the box, but you can't expect yeah. much more from Chrysler. Chrysler's been known for great motors and terrible transmissions. I mean, since yeah. since I started driving, right? But, so I'll tell you what, though, there's, there's not a better shifting transmission than a 68 RFE that's right. I mean, it still seizes, it just amazes me every time I drive one. We get one, put it all together. And when it when they're right, when all the when everything's right on, man, they work well. They work they work really really well. It is. I mean, it it is nice when they're done right. I will agree with you there. I got to drive uh, Nick Pregnant's uh, fifteen black box, and after the tuning and, and the co-pilot that's in there and a converter and also the high pressure kit, 
it is a night and day difference. I mean, it's a totally different transmission. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. Uh, I've had a lot of customers working with me on the high-pressure valve body kits for them. Can you talk a little bit about those and explain how they work and why they help customers? Yeah, so, so the biggest thing is is that the 68 the RFE from the factory only is, has the ability to, to go to about 160 PSI line pressure. And 160 PSI line pressure is really enough realistically for about maybe 400 horsepower. And beyond that, you just don't have the clamping force, the hydraulic force on the clutch packs to apply enough force to, to deal with any more power than that. So what the high-pressure kit is that we've, uh, that we've basically developed is it's pretty straightforward. Um, it, it essentially, once you install it in the tranny, it allows the computer or, or the co-pilot or whatever source you have to run line pressure up to about 270 PSI. So you end up with over 100 more pounds of clamping force, and we've kind of limited to that because the integrity of the drums are good to about 300 PSI. So you know you want to you want to kind of limit it to the maximum um, mechanical or physical properties of the tranny. So the co-pilot, I'm sorry, the uh, um, high pressure kit essentially is pretty simple. You drop the pan, take the valve body down. You know you unbolt your solenoid block. You separate the main uh, pieces of the valve body. We supply you a plate um, that replaces the factory plate. And, you know, we reroute, reroute some holes, change them, check ball locations, that kind of thing. And then also um, supply you an accumulator plate that stiffens the accumulators because they're running higher pressure, and that plate typically fails anyway, so it's a much thicker plate um, that holds the accumulators in so they, so they don't deform the plate. A um, couple simple modifications, put it back in the vehicle, and voila, you know, you have a tranny that is capable of, uh, 275 psi line pressure, and some of the confusions. Um, again, in Chrysler's endeavor to save money, in 2011 they came out with their gray solenoid pack, and the gray solenoid pack is basically the same as the white one, which is all the early ones. They just dropped the solenoid. They just left it to save some money, and then they reallocated the MC solenoid, which is a solenoid that is used for. Um, for another function during shifts in the tranny. Well, they kind of reallocated it and shifted some ports in the valve body, and they saved, you know, three bucks or whatever it was. And then later they went back to the white solenoid because they realized it was too much of a hassle. Well, if you have the gray solenoid pack, then in the instructions there's there's another step you have to perform, drill two holes, um, do a check ball location. So it's all in the instructions. You just have to, you just have to follow them systematically. But if you follow the instructions, it's really smooth. It goes in, and, and they both work exactly the same, very functional and, and very, very needed. I mean, if you have a stock tranny, it's actually pretty impressive. If you have a stock tranny, just bone stock, and add this to it, and either get a co-pilot on it or do your tuning, you know, do, do the Duramax TCM tuning, man, the trannies are incredible. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive how much power they hold. Absolutely. I can Absolutely. vouch for that. I've got a lot of happy customers. We do. Yeah. that um, can say the same thing, and we're very happy to have that line pressure adjustment made because we know how expensive these transmissions are to get into them. Absolutely. And I, yeah. one last question I had for you here is as guys are starting to buy these newer trucks and they're thinking about what are my mods and what are my goals, 
I just wanted you to give them some advice. So if I if I was brand new to diesel and I just bought a a, a ten or newer Cummins, what would your advice be to me about uh, taking about setting up my performance goals? Well, I would definitely start um, with software. You know, today's software. I mean, what you guys have done is you know, and one thing I think a lot of consumers don't realize that if you just buy a canned type software, when I say a canned, I mean it's basically like you buy this tuner off the shelf from somebody and you plug it in and that's what you get, right? Really what I recommend is having forming a relationship with somebody like Duramax Tuner that can start you out, you know, with a basic system, you know, that works with your stock turbo and stock everything, right? Up to power a little bit, give it a little bit better drivability. And then as you start adding hard parts, you know, then say you add the turbo, then, you know, you can work with the same tuner and, you know, go to the next program, right? So you can you continue, it's an evolving thing. So that, that is the biggest thing that I've seen with, with a lot of customers making the wrong buying decision, just buying a canned tuner. Um, you know, so, go, so definitely going, you know, with, with a tuner that's, that's reprogrammable, that's upgradable, that's really in tune with the emissions stuff of today, right? And then at that point, you know, like kind of what we talked about, you know, you, just, you, know you really get a good idea of what you want to do with the truck, where you're headed with it, and say maybe you add your turbo and then you add your twin fueler. And, you know, certain things that are often forgot is a lot of the basics is, um, you know, a bigger training pan, the diff covers, you know, dealing with the heat in these trucks. You know, a lot of these things, um, you know, is really what kind of ultimately kills the engines and the trannies because, again, I mean, all this aftermarket stuff is available. Let's get it on the truck to take some more, to take some of this abuse away from the components. If there's one thing that our listeners should take out of this episode, what would that be? Do not delete your truck. Nice. <laughs> That's, that is the one thing. I mean, the technology is there. Let's use it. And I'll tell you what, you, you almost said it earlier when you said these are fun trucks to drive. I tell my guys, I mean, I tell this all the time when, when I have customers coming in and asking me, like, you know, why didn't you delete it? I'm like, the reason I didn't delete it because I love turning the corner and getting on the highway and flat footing it just like a gasser and I'm not looking in my rear view mirror anymore now I'm looking in front of me mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of us that had diesels would turn them up you know that have black smoke you always learn to look in the rear view mirror because you're making black smoke and you're going to piss people off right mm-hmm. and it's been just so awesome you know not having to delete these things and having a good running truck I mean a truck that rips yeah. you know and doesn't smoke I mean, I love it. I, I dig it. I'm just, I'm really, really happy the technology is caught up with the diesel industry. It's a night and day difference, and it's a real, really a new concept. And the more time goes on, the more that people are going to be exposed to this. And taking it to a competition level versus just, you know, a 500 horsepower, 450 horsepower level, I would definitely agree with you all day long that don't delete your truck. Don't make it so you can't trade it into a reputable dealer. Don't ruin your truck. A reputable dealer. There's right. an oxymoron. Um, uh, reputable. De- <laughs> there is a lot yeah. of reputable dealers. I'm not talking about the guy down the block that has got five trucks on his lot. I'm talking about your franchise store, your you know your GM, your Dodge store. I hear you. I hear you. Well, that's awesome. That yeah, was a ton of. That, oh. I mean, the biggest thing that we've all been fighting is just changing the culture. You know, it's not like you know back in the day, deleting wasn't a bad thing. I mean, you kind of had to do it. Yeah. But it became the it, it became the culture like oh if I want this thing to run good I got to whack all this stuff off right. right so now again the technology's there I mean we're fighting to change the culture 
that you don't have to get rid of this stuff. I mean, if you want to make a thousand horsepower, sure, you got to get rid of it. Yeah. But you know, most everybody—I mean, ninety percent, maybe ninety-five percent of our customers out there, every guy that's pulling, you know, concrete mixer around or his boat or whatever, you know, they don't want the smoke. You know, yeah. and it's illegal. But you know, if I not to mention, mention right? yeah, don't yeah. don't mention that or nothing. This right. is like against the yeah. law, <laughs> maybe something like that. I'm sure we've all broke that law in the past because we had to but nowadays right. like you said it's a whole new game and i'm really excited about that yeah i think that was really well put i think it's you know when we first started with trucks everything was mechanically controlled so we had to physically open up the size of the intake and physically open up the size of the exhaust to get the results we wanted but the at the end of the day drivers still want the same results they want more power they want better fuel efficiency they want the truck to be more fun to drive there's no need to go and delete it. I, and, I'm right yeah. there with you. Not to mention, you can actually hear your turbos, your turbo turbos working. Yeah. I like that sound way more than listening to a four or five inch droning in my ear. Yeah, true story. Yeah, agreed. Clint, you've you've been such a great uh, time today and brought us so much good information. If people want to get in contact with you or find out more about ATS, how can they do so? Yeah, the best way just to type in ATS diesel on Google and just. Uh, either email us or call us or we got a lot of forums or facebook or whatever it is but we you know we have a fuels of full staff here i always encourage um anybody to call in because there's so many questions you know talk to one of our guys one of our techs and and we can answer any questions um we're you know here just about any way you want it or if you're out at a diesel event make sure to slap ryan gelinas right across the face and say it's from paul wilson no i'm just kidding guys twice. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Thanks again, Clint. This has been Paul Wilson. And I'm Danny Voss. Thanks for listening. Calibrated Power Solutions, the leading North American developer of clean diesel power and home of DuramaxTuner.com, is the proud sponsor of the Diesel Performance Podcast. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped tunes for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, Jeep, John Deere, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out calibratedpower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. To reach out to the Diesel Performance Podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email paul at duramaxtuner.com or danny at duramaxtuner.com. If there's one thing that our listeners should take out of this episode, what would that be? Do not delete your